Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, What more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Today's podcast is brought to you by newspapers.com, the ultimate destination for exploring the mysteries of the past. If you're fascinated by true crime, get ready to dive into the stories that made headlines. Newspapers.com offers a billion pages of historical newspapers from the U.S. and beyond, and you can search the entire collection in seconds. Their vast newspaper collection is a goldmine for eyewitness accounts, crime scene photos, news reports, and more. Whether you're interested in famous crimes or long-forgotten cases, Newspapers.com gives you a front-row seat to more than 300 years of history. For our listeners, Newspapers.com has a special offer. Use the code CUPOFMURDER for an exclusive 20% discount on your subscription. That's promo code CUPOFMURDER at Newspapers.com. Sign up today and start unraveling the true crime mysteries that keep you up at night. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. The scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cop of murder. Revenge can make even the most mild-mannered individual into a dangerous killing machine. On December 8, 1932, a man was born who would feel his lifelong dreams being ripped away from him, an action that, in his opinion, could not go unpunished. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Rudy Bladell was born on December 8, 1932, into a railroad family living in Chicago, Illinois. Falling in love with the job early on in life, Rudy watched his father work as a fireman for the railroad and planned for most of his life to follow in his footsteps. Joining the Air Force in 1950, just after graduating high school, Rudy was transferred to Korea, where he was able to work on the railroad during his active duty. Shortly after his return, Rudy got into a motorcycle accident that left him with injuries that forever affected his posture. But despite all of this, He went to work at Rock Island, the same railroad company that his father worked for, and rose steadily through the company ranks. Working in the field he always dreamed of, things took a devastating turn when he was laid off from the job. Deciding to move to Elkhart, Indiana and get a job there, Rudy was furious when a 1959 merger occurred during a freight yard in Niles, Michigan and Elkhart, which resulted in periodic layoffs and loss of seniority for Rudy and his co-workers. Mad that he worked his whole life on the railroad and was now being pushed to the bottom of the ladder, Rudy Bladell decided to seek revenge on the union, 
the Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers and Firemen, who he felt sold him and his fellow men out. Later nicknamed the Railway Killer, on either August 2nd or 3rd of 1963 in Hammond, Indiana, 52-year-old signalman Virgil Terry went to investigate why he was failing to receive a signal from his colleagues in the locomotive cab. And, climbing onto the engine, he found 60-year-old Roy Botorf, the engineer, and 45-year-old Paul Overstree, the fireman, lying dead on the controls. Both had been shot in the back of their heads, and several 22 caliber shell casings were found littering the scene. Calling the police, an investigation was started, but with no suspects and not a lot of clues, all they really had to go off of was a witness who claimed they heard a motorcycle leaving the scene. Then, on August 6, 1968, the railway killer struck again when 51-year-old engineer John W. Marshall was standing next to his diesel locomotive at the Elkhart Rail Yard when he was shot at close range with a 12-gauge shotgun to the midsection, the sides, and twice in the head. This time, eyewitnesses were able to tell police all about the man they saw leaving the scene who they said had a strange way of walking. Years passed with no real leads, and then on March 20th, 1971, another shooting took place at the Elkhart Yard that saw 38-year-old engineer Louis John Sane shot twice in the back with a 357 Magnum revolver. Unlike the men before him, however, John Sane managed to survive his attempted murder by wrestling the gun away from his assailant and firing off a retaliation shot into his stomach. Both men were then driven to the hospital where John, recognizing his shooter as former co-worker, Rudy Bladell, asked why he was a target. Rudy simply said that he wanted to, quote, get the Niles men out of Elkhart. Though he was easily connected to the attempted murder of John Sane, officials had not suspected him in the three earlier murders, and as such, on December 31st, 1971, he was sentenced to one to five years in prison and was released after just 18 months. Back on the streets again, and with his bitterness growing by the moment, especially after the Harbor Belt executives refused to reinstate him in his old position, Rudy picked his weapon back up and on April 5th, 1976, took the life of 51-year-old engineer James M. McCrory. This time, however, he was immediately considered a suspect. And though there was not enough evidence to arrest him for the murder at the time, he was arrested again by the ATF on January 6, 1978, after being caught buying a 357 Magnum. Since he was a convicted felon and therefore not allowed to carry a firearm, he was given another one to five years in prison, and despite the fact that he was considered a suspect in the string of murders, there was still not enough to charge him with the crimes, and he was released on November 16th. Realizing police were hot on his trail in Indiana, Rudy switched things up, and on the day before New Year's Eve in 1978, just over a month after his release from prison, Rudy booked a local hotel in Jackson, Michigan, and in his suitcase, carried all the parts of a 12-gauge shotgun he got years before. The next day, he left the hotel, went down to the depot, suitcase in hand, arrived at the platform, and assembled his weapon. Walking towards the locker room door, Rudy Bladell shot 42-year-old flagman Robert Lee Blake, 50-year-old conductor William Gulak, and shooting both men again before heading to the door, leveled his weapon at 32-year-old fireman Charles Lee Burton, 
and he pulled the trigger. Leaving three bodies behind, Rudy disassembled the gun, hid it under some bushes in Cascade Falls, and returned to Elkhart, where he was living at a mission for houseless men. Though committed in a different location, the triple murder was quickly connected to the other crimes against railroad workers, and Rudy Bladell was formally questioned. Though released after two days due to lack of evidence, an engineer who used to share a cab with Rudy back in Hammond, Indiana, told the police that the fireman seemed obsessed with the graphic details of the earlier shootings. With suspicion mounting against him, but evidence still scarce, things took a turn when a group of hikers found the hidden shotgun in a park just outside of Jackson. With ejection marks matching the shell casings left behind at the triple murder, the shotgun was traced back to its owner, Rudy Bladell. Officially arrested on March 22, 1979, Rudy confessed to the Jackson murders, describing it in detail, but later recanted his statements, claiming they were coerced by the police. Claiming he only went to Jackson to get his broken motorbike, and saying he sold the gun to a stranger in Elkhart several weeks before the murder, the evidence was enough to bring him to trial and found guilty, he was given three life sentences. Though the Supreme Court ruled in 1986 to retry the case, considering his written confession to be obtained through illegal means, Rudy Bladell was found guilty a second time and given a life sentence again. He died on November 15, 2006 from thyroid cancer while still serving his time in prison. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to A Terrible Thing Happened on December 9th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.